Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Episode 82 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Tyler Yaramchuk and Cam Lewis with you. As always, our podcast is delivered by our friends over at DoorDash. Promo code BJNPODDD gets first-time users of the app 25% off and no delivery fees. Coomzy, that was a bit of a bummer, hey? Yeah, that was extremely disappointing. I feel like all the teams in the Central Division are bad. So losing any games to a team from the Central Division is bad. The Jays pull off a sweep against the White Sox. Seems like they're rolling. And then Minnesota comes into town. They're missing half their team. Got four non-vaccinated guys that came into the country. Carlos Correa is injured. Uh, Sonny Gray is also injured. And you think, okay, this team's pretty banged up. They're kind of sending out a ragtag random group. And the Jays wind up losing two or three. And they look pretty bad in two of those games, too. Yeah. It was... Uh, it was, yeah, it was an ugly, it was an ugly weekend, an, an, an unfortunate one. And it just sucks too. Cause like the vibes were so good coming into it, right? Like you just played so well, you're on this long winning streak. It's like, okay, here we go. Like still at the dome. Was the weather good in Toronto? Yes. It was really nice this week. So like, come on, you're going weekend. into a beautiful weekend after a great week of baseball. And then they go and just like lay an egg in game one. And it's like, God damn, like. Ah, it would just would have been nice for them to like keep this little run going at least through the weekend. And then like whatever would have happened against Kansas city, like who cares? Um, but yeah, disappointing obviously for the Toronto blue Jays. Should we just jump right into three up three down? Yeah, let's do it. It pretty much covers everything that happened in the weekend. Yeah. Um, and I want to start with, I, I, I want to go in a bit of a different order than like chronologically in the series. I want to start with Kevin Gosman as our first down. And not in the sense that like I'm upset or disappointed in what Kevin Gosman has been bringing to the table, but you know, he gave up three earned. he gave up nine hits over three and two thirds. And I saw a tweet about him tipping pitches a little bit. And he, even after the game was frustrated that the twins were laying off his splitter at times or hitting and making contact on it, even though he felt like they were, he was making good pitches. Uh, what did you make of Gosman's rough outing? Apparently the thing was um, he was tipping his splitter specifically because the splitter usage was well down in the outing from what he usually does. So he was apparently doing something that made it very clear to Minnesota. That's what was coming. There's been all kinds of threads and videos now all over Twitter of people showing uh, like a minor difference that Gosman's doing this. He's standing like that. His gloves like this. I don't have a good enough eye. I'm not a major league baseball caliber hitter to notice these kinds of things, but 
people that are smarter about the mechanics of baseball seem to be pointing that out. One of which was Joe Sedol in the broadcast picked it up almost immediately. Okay. Kevin Gosman, it's becoming clear when his splitter is coming. So he lessened the usage of that and got lit up quite a bit. This is a back-to-back games now that Gosman's kind of, kind of had a bit of a rough go against the White Sox. It was five innings, three, three earned runs against the twins. Now it's three and two thirds, three earned runs again. I mean, I don't think it's the end of the world at all. Like Gosman's been phenomenal this year. His ERA on the on the season is still 2.78. So I don't, I don't personally see any complaints there. I imagine that him and Pete Walker will go and look at the video and get this straightened out. Yeah. Like, again, that's why I wanted to get that one out of the way, because again, I'm not worried about him. Like I'm fully expecting him to pitch well next time he's out. And like you said, him and Pete Walker will figure this out, but it was disappointing in again. And it's just part of the letdown of the weekend, right? We talked on the last podcast. You even said when Manoa or Gosman starts, you kind of just in your brain go, okay, they're going to win this baseball game. And when it's a game like that, where it's like, okay, you can salvage this series. You can win two out of three. You got your big gun on the mound. Okay, son of a bitch. Disappointing again. Um, The second down we have from this series, uh, again, sticking with the pitching. And I mean, the the ebbs and flows of a season are are fascinating. Remember earlier in the year or even Mm -hmm. three weeks ago when I was like, oh, man, pitching's just going. The bullpen was great. But ah, once the bats get figured out, that's when this team's going supernova. And granted, they just won like eight games in a row. So we shouldn't complain too much. But now we're at the point where like, hey, the bats, the bats. Oh, my God. The starting pitchers can't can't get out of the fourth inning now all of a sudden or the fifth inning. Um, But Kikuchi wasn't great either. Yeah, Kikuchi's line was uninspiring. It was four and two thirds. He allows seven hits. Doesn't walk a guy, which I think is a positive. Uh, One of the things he struggled with early in the year when he wasn't looking very good was he was walking everybody. He doesn't walk a guy in the start. Struck out six. That's positive as well. But the the difficulty was he allows three dingers. And I think the Blue Jays bats waking up and the pitchers now suddenly not being as good as they were before kind of coincide together. It seems, you know, the ball is flying around a lot more and we're going to notice that on both sides. Okay. It's great seeing the Jays hitting more, but the other teams are also going to be hitting on their guys a lot more too. Right. So that's the thing we saw with Kikuchi in this outing. I don't think he looked terrible at all. It was just kind of meh, kind of middle of the road start for him. He allows three bombs. It's not exactly what you want to see, but then also from the blue Jays perspective is the ball is flying out of the park right now too. So that brings us to a pretty interesting thread from Ballpark Pal on Twitter talking about the uptick in home runs. And he has a bunch of data about fly ball distance versus expected and things like that. A bunch of things and numbers that are way too smart for me to comprehend. Um, But Coombsy, can you explain what could possibly be happening here in the data that that Ballpark Pal put out? Like, is it really the ball? Yeah, it, it, it seems like that's the case. So uh, Ballpark Powell was tracking home runs in 2019, 2021, 2022. And this account kind of looked at uh, exit velocity and launch angle on balls in play and the expectation of it going out of the park. So you're going to have different parks, like say a place like Oakland versus a place like Yankee Stadium. Um, and then it neutralizes for those factors and figures out how often the ball is going to go out of the park in an average ballpark. And what we've seen is balls are getting hit high and they're getting drilled and then they die. And it doesn't make sense. Like you think about from a Jays perspective, how many times do we watch Matt Chapman specifically drill a ball into the air? And then it seems like it hits an invisible glass wall in the outfield and then just dips. And what this account kind of noticed is at some point in mid-May, the 
home runs that were expected to go out that weren't going out are now starting to go out. Mm. And some people are suggesting, okay, maybe it's the weather. Like we're getting into late May and June. It's hotter. So the, you know, the balls fly in the warm air a little bit more, but then the account also uh, neutralized that for the most weather consistent parks, which are places like Arizona, Miami, Houston that are covered up Toronto as well, a dome. And it's the same thing. Like um, no matter where it was, the balls weren't going out as expected. Now they are. So the estimate here is that they've gone back to maybe just a normal ball, or they've gone back to the juiced ball that we saw in like 2019 when everything was a home run. Reality is no matter what it is, major league baseball is fucking around with the ball again. It's different. So there's going to be a period of adjustment. Guys are going to struggle. Home runs are going to go crazy. It's going to be chaos for like a month. That'd be my guess. God, it's also there. I have so many takes on this. Um, How again, and I've done this ran in 2022 can a professional sport not know what kind of ball they're using like that just i don't don't, that would be can you imagine if the nba like right before game three of the finals tonight or tomorrow whenever it is all of a sudden just used like a smaller ball and the score went like crazy like curry had like 98 points and it was like oh well we just the ball was tweaked a little but then they didn't like it's just it's insane man like how are they still doing this well, the conspiracy theory was because so just just to give a little bit more context here to prove that there actually was clearly an issue with the ball is both batters and pitchers have been complaining about this this year. Yeah. You might remember from a Blue Jays situation specifically, there was that game when uh, it was in Yankee Stadium when there was the beef between Josh Donaldson and the third string catcher Tyler Heineman and Jimmy Garcia was pitching and the ball got loose and hit Donaldson. And after the game, Garcia was complaining about the ball. He was like, this ball feels garbage. It's not even like from inning to inning, the ball feels different. Pitchers have been complaining. Like sometimes it feels heavier. Sometimes it's harder to grip. And then hitters, the same thing. They were complaining. The balls were just dying. So if you have both sides complaining about the ball, you know, there's a problem. But the conspiracy theory was major league baseball was unhappy with how baseball is just becoming like fielding independent style it's home run strikeout walk that's 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 a big part of the game now and they want it to go back to more singles bunts defense uh stealing base just really sexy stuff sorry really sexy stuff yeah like really exciting stuff yeah like old school ball where it's more slapping the ball around but what ultimately happened is it's everyone's taking the same approach it's just now there's a whole bunch of deep fly balls so I don't know where the logic in, for Major League Baseball is to think it's a good idea to have different balls for the same or different games. It's just stupid to me, but this is Major League Baseball we're dealing with, so it's not at all shocking. I'm just happy that we, we've talked about this a million times. Would you rather have a high offense situation or would you rather have a low offense situation? We both prefer offense. We both like the 2015 slash 2021 Jays where they're hitting everything. So I'm happy they're going back in this direction, even if it means the Jays pitching is going to struggle a little bit. That's fine. Yeah. And like, I'm not totally against old school baseball and that idea. I'm from the mindset, the mindset of that can be exciting. But like you said, you can't just do that. Like, again, hitters weren't going into this season being like, well, all right, we just got to start shortening up a little bit here and slapping it to the other field to get rid of the shift. And, you know, they're, you're not yeah. going to hit a home run every time. Like, no, that's not the way these players are wired anymore. That's not the way they train. That's not their approach. And to expect them to what in the first two weeks of the season to be like, hmm, ball's not flying out. Maybe we should change something like that. You're, you would have been foolish to think that was going to happen. 
Um, anyways, now that we did that tangent, uh, let's get back into three up, three down. The third down we have is the late inning relief pitching and not necessarily the high leverage guys per se, but when you need to throw someone out there to keep you in a ball game, to keep you within one or two. And I think the, the series finale loss is a great example of this as well, because, you know, they end up losing eight, six, they end up putting together a bit of a comeback. They had the winning run at the plate in the ninth inning. But Simber gave up a run. Vasquez gave up a run and Beasley gave up a run. Okay, well, that's the reason you lost that baseball game. Like Kevin Gosman's bad start. You overcame that, but you didn't overcome the bullpen, in my opinion. Even in the Kikuchi start too, the first game, you know, Kikuchi, uh, he doesn't make it through five. He allows four runs, but then Trevor Richards immediately comes in, allows a couple of runs to extend Minnesota's lead. And then it's the combination of Vasquez and Beasley allowing three runs late to kind of make it more difficult for the Jays to execute a comeback. And then in the finale, it's, you know, like you said, Simber, Vasquez, Beasley, it's three runs right there added for Minnesota. If the, if the garbage time relievers can be better in these situations, then you know, it's a lot easier to come back, but we're not going to sit here and blame these arms for the losses. Obviously, yeah. like it, it falls mostly on the starting pitching. You need guys going five, six innings and not hold, not, not, not relying on these kinds of arms to, you know, keep you in games. That's it's not really like a, a realistic ask necessarily, but you can tell that the Jays bullpen seems kind of thinner now than it did at the beginning of the year because they've been worked so hard. Yeah. And I think this mostly just ties into the Jays need their starting pitchers to go deeper. And ultimately, yes, they do need better bullpen depth. That is a reality. And it's probably something they're going to have to address by a trade. The other thing I'm kind of learning about this team is like, they are good enough where they don't even need to be playing close to perfect baseball to win games. Like when you, if you were to break it down and do starting pitching offense, the bullpen and your fielding, there are teams and I think we're getting one of them in Kansas City coming in. You could even argue maybe the twins are at this point. But there are teams who need all four of those to go well if they're going to win because they are not good baseball teams. The Jays need really one or two of those things to go well, and they'll likely win the game. And in that last one specifically, okay, the offense was rolling, but you had an untimely air from Teoscar Hernandez. The fielding wasn't there for him. Starting pitching wasn't good, and the bullpen wasn't good. Three of those areas were not good. And like I said, they still somehow managed to bring the winning run to the plate in the ninth inning. Like they were, you know, a dinger away from winning that ball game, which I know is sounds kind of cheap, but like this is a very, very good baseball team. And that's why I think there should be a little bit of pressure here on the front office to go get this bullpen thing sorted out again. And holy shit, I can't believe we're doing this whole song and dance again, because six weeks ago, I thought we were done with bitching about the bullpen. But go figure out the bullpen, because if that can consistently bring it, the Jays aren't going to lose very often. Yeah, it's very much so true. It's 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 the easiest thing to fix in baseball. Like it's a lot easier to go out and find yourself a uh, an added arm for your bullpen midseason than it is to go out and find yeah. a number two, number three starter or a great left-handed bat that hits for contact. So at the very least, the there's a there's there's a pretty reasonably easy fix here, right? Like they went out last year and they got Adam Simber from Miami for Joe Panic and a non-ranked prospect. You don't just go out and do that again. Easy. Very easy. Easy. Very, very easy. Peasy. No problem. The other good thing for the Jays, and we'll get into this later, is that their next 10 games are not again or against bad baseball teams and not even like not good baseball teams, like terrible bad. baseball teams. The Tigers yeah. are the best and they're 21 and 33 and they're nine and 21 against teams who are above 500. They're junk. The Royals are junk. 
the Orioles are something worse than junk, but we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, let's talk about the up from this last series. There was one starter starting pitcher who uh, came out and gave the Jays what they needed, and that was Jose Barrios. I Okay, so full disclosure, I did not watch this game. I was out and about, didn't have time. I was just following along on my phone. And so he gives up the two in the first. I'm kind of like, shit, like ah, yep. we're going to have to talk about another disappointing Barrios start. Phone goes off for a few hours because I'm doing stuff. I check back. Um, I'd also wagered on Barrios over five and a half strikeouts. And I was like, God, I hope he I hope he at least managed to scrape together the six strikeouts I needed to win my bet. And I opened up my app and I was like, holy fuck, 13 K's. That was I it, that is his best start of the season. Yeah, undoubtedly. This is probably I think this was the best I've seen Brio's pitch as a Blue Jay. That was the 13 strikeouts represents a career high. And after he allowed the two run dinger in the first inning, I think he allowed uh, a leadoff single in the second inning. I think that's what it was. And then he was untouchable after that. It was the twins were just swinging through pitches looked completely lost. Like it was a, it was a master class. And the thing that Barrios did differently, cause he'd had a few bad starts mixed in there before that is he was throwing his fastball significantly less. The forcing fastballs, the pitch that was getting ambushed and hit out of the park. And now he's mixing in more of a sinker, more of a curveball, And that's kind of where he's been effective more in his career, mixing pitches rather than uh, leaning so heavily on the fastball. You know, that's the, the the pitch that gets knocked out of the park for him the most by far. So it seems like he's made the adjustment to throw that less. I had kind of wondered looking at his underlying stuff, um, seeing that he had thrown the fastball so much this year. I had kind of wondered if there was like a nagging injury or perhaps a blister. Usually when a guy has like a blister that's bad, they wind up throwing a certain pitch more. Or they stop throwing a certain pitch. That's what we saw with Aaron Sanchez when he had his blister issues. He was uh, leaning on certain pitches and it wasn't effective. So I had wondered that maybe that's the case. I have no idea. Regardless, Barrios just put up like far and away his best start of the season. So that's like, that's definitely a positive. And it's nice. It comes against the twins too, right? But his yeah. former team. It's yeah, like that's, that, 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 that's cool to see. Yeah, that was uh, that was good to see. And hopefully Barrios can can keep that positive momentum rolling into his next start. And he'll have a great chance to do so, because, again, the Jays are playing bad baseball teams for the next 10 days. Uh, The second up we have is our boy Alejandro Kirk, who he was like in this weird spot earlier in the season where I felt like. And this is a debate and and a line I was using describing the hockey team I cover. Um, But I feel like there is the sane, rational portion of every fan base. And then there's like the weird outside part of the fan base who just likes to yell on Twitter and doesn't really know what they're talking about. And I feel like the Alejandro Kirk talk earlier in the season really divided those two sections where like the sane, rational people were like, he's good, like things will get going for him and, you know, just give it some time here. And then there was the other people were like, no, fuck, he's terrible, blah, 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 blah. Um, he's just on an unbelievable run right now. In his last 15 games, he's batting 413. That's why he never, he never strikes out. Either. That's the thing you love about it is he comes up to bat and he never strikes out. Like in this series specifically, like he only appears in two games, but he goes three for seven with two bombs, zero strikeouts and two walks. Joe Byronbaum on Twitter has a great note here saying only three players with a minimum of 160 plate appearances have walked more times than they've struck out this season while also posting an isolated power of 150 or higher. These three guys are Jose Ramirez, Juan Soto, and Alejandro Kirk. Two guys that we've talked about trading Alejandro Kirk to acquire. 
for the Blue Jays. That's a wild. And Alejandro Kirk. <laughs> That's a really funny thing is we're, uh, we, we were all so comfortable trading away Alejandro Kirk in the offseason to get whoever. And now it's like, geez, this guy's this guy's up here is one of the best catchers in Major League Baseball because he's damn good defensively, too. He, he's, he's an excellent framer, and pitchers pitch really well to him, too. I remember last year, he was the guy who Robbie Ray would always have his great starts with. He's slow. Like forget OPS, he's slugging in his last seven games over a thousand. Like that's just wild, man. Yeah. Um, the incredibly productive. He had himself a great series. You mentioned the lack of strikeouts in his last fit in his last fifteen games. He's forty six at bats, and he's only struck out three times. I mean, in today's MLB, that's just like a staggering number to look at. Um, so we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about Kirk in just a second here. But our third up is uh, that big offensive explosion we had. Um, Teoscar Hernandez is still hitting the ball very, very well. Um, in that game, he went three for five and he came around to score twice. Uh, Vladdy had a couple of dingers in this series. That was great to see. And uh, it was also great to see Matt Chapman continue to hit the ball well. Uh, he only played in two games against Minnesota. Um, but he did go three for four in that big game where they scored 12 runs. And now you kind of look at things for Chapman and his numbers are starting to climb up on the season. In his last seven games, he's batting 360. In his last 15 games, he's batting 294. He's got, you know, he hit that home run against Minnesota. I feel like Chapman is maybe starting to hit his stride a little bit here. I think Chapman was always pretty much fine. It's just that he had been cursed by the fact that he was trying to hit a fucking bowling ball and now he's hitting a baseball <laughs> instead. And that's a game changer. And I think quite honestly, uh, I don't know. I don't want to be a huge conspiracy theorist or whatever, but I think it's more than likely we're back to the normal ball and everything's going to be fine in regards to the hitters. Now yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty on board with that because it really does coincide the uh, the ballpark pal thread shows that this changed in mid-May and that's when the Jays started to hit. It, it really does all add up from a Blue Jays perspective. That's going to do it for three up, three down. Uh, we had this question thrown our way on Twitter. Um, and I think it's a really interesting, really interesting debate to have. How many Blue Jays, and I know we're a little bit of ways from this coming, but how many Blue Jays are all-stars this season? That's a good question. So the fan vote's going to decide the position players. So a lot of that's going to come down to who has a big name. And then, uh, then there's also the, the pitchers get selected. So the Jays have quite a few pitchers who are doing quite well. Gosman and Manoa seem like very obvious to be on the all-star team. I wouldn't, a lock is you can never really lock anybody in with all-stars. Cause you just don't know Romano as well. He's been, and then Adam Simber too. He's got like six wins. You know, people love that. So that's always a possibility. But we were just talking about Alejandro Kirk. And I'm quite honestly, if you're going to put anybody on the all-star team from the Blue Jays, it might be this guy. But my guess, uh, the most obvious position player, I think would be George Springer, just because of how he's done so far and the big name. That would make sense. So I would think uh, pretty, pretty, very likely we see Gosman, Manoa, those two. Very likely we see Springer. That's three. And then based on name, Vladdy, uh, outside chances for a guy like Kirk, outside chance for a guy like Romano, outside chance for a guy like Santiago Espinal as well. If the Jays fans can uh, go and go and bombard the ballot box and make him make him the fan favorite that gets in. I, I would love if the Jays did that with Kirk or Kirk or Espinal. It would be great to see. Mm-hmm. I think you can validate it, too. Like they're both playing unbelievably well. Well, with Springer. So I do agree that he's probably going to be there because the only two outfielders in the American League who have a higher OPS than him are Aaron Judge and Mike Trout. 
So like yeah. that right there, there's your three outfielders. Boom. Uh, Kirk, you're right. He absolutely like has a case because again, he's one of the best hitting catchers in the American league. Pardon? Is there a better catcher? I'm trying to think. And I, I would think off the top of my head, Sal Perez, maybe people love Sal Perez. He's quite good, but is, yeah. he, is he playing that well this year? I no, no he, he's batting. He's batting 199. Well, there you go. So it must the Royals stuff the ballot box like they did in 15. Then it's yeah. only so under Kirk's spot. Yeah, um, it, it probably will be Kirk's or it probably should be Kirk's spot, I should say. But who knows if, if that's actually going to be how it plays out. Um, but yeah, Perez is having a terrible season and he'll be coming to town when the Jays take them on. So, yeah, I think I pretty much agree. Like, I'd be such a cool moment to see Kirk and Espinal or Kirk or Espinal get into that game just because, you know, not this is going to sound weird, but it's a little bit more heartwarming, right? When you see a guy like that, like now, because Vlad's been to a few and like we've seen those moments and stuff. I um, mean, he had his big all star moment as well. It's kind of like, OK, yeah, Vladdy's going to be there every year. Like we know where he'll be like in the mix every year. But to see one of those more kind of like homegrown kind of guys would be nice. Um, and seeing Alec Manoa in his first all star game would be yeah. cool as well. Yeah, I think we should we should make a campaign to really uh, get Alejandro Kirk in the All-Star game. I don't I, I think that's very reasonable. Yeah, let's get like very shirts reasonable. made up and, and really buy into this. Sure, let's make it a thing. Let's make it a phenomenon. We will make it a thing. Uh, Kate, before that, obviously, because um, we'll have a lot of that All-Star talk going forward as well. Um, but the Jays are taking on the Kansas City Royals this week. Three games, late starts on two of them, or really three of them, I guess, with the third one being a later afternoon, 2.10 Eastern. Uh, the first two are at just after 8 o'clock as well. Um, late starts this week. It's going to be Stripling versus Lynch, Manoa versus Keller, Kikuchi versus Singer. Um, what do we think here? Sweep? Like, you got to sweep them. You got it. Yeah. I mean, anything less than that would be supremely disappointing. Um, <laughs> the Royals don't have a phenomenal starters going. The best one going is Brady Singer, who was their second round pick in 2015, who didn't sign and then wound up being a first round pick of the Royals and was a very highly touted prospect and is a pretty good pitcher. The other two guys kind of suck. Um, I don't know what to expect with stripling pitching because he's been out of, in and out of the bullpen. Hard to say. Uh, then you have Manoa starting game two. Manoa's great. And then Kikuchi probably fares better in Kansas City with a long ball because it's a fucking cave and it's hard to hit a dinger there unless you have that weird bearded Amish kid reaching over the wall, in which case it's a little bit easier to hit a fucking home run there. <laughs> Uh, the vibes are always bad going to Kansas City, man. Like I'm sitting here being like, yeah, they should sweep the dog shit Royals, but ah, it's never that easy. There's something about that place. It's there's something about it. It's it's weird. It's it is weird, weird how as a fan even, and and I always wonder if this really does like slip into a player's mindset. Like you always hear about, or you always see the stats about guys where it's like, hey, they hit great in this ballpark and this ballpark. And they're bad in this ballpark and this ballpark. Cause like, you're right. The bad vibe parks for the Jays as fans Nothing good ever happens in Tampa. No. Kansas City has terrible vibes. Who else would you say like American League wise is on that list of like you never love going to either Fenway or Yankee Stadium, but I think the Jays have fared adequately. Yeah. There. They always they they usually have a hard time on the West Coast, but they swept Anaheim. Yeah. So that's something. Um that's trying to think of any weird National League parks. No, it's really it's really Kansas city because of the 15 playoffs. Yeah. And then it's Tampa just because of the history. Nobody likes playing in Tampa, including Tampa. They, nobody wants to be there. Like Kansas City, I think is it might be the worst one for me. No, it's Tampa's the worst one. Tampa's, Tampa's the worst one, and then Kansas City is the next worst one, just because of the, the there's so much trauma from that ALCS. Ben uh, Revere, that bearded kid, uh, Ryan Goins dropping that ball, Alex oh, Rios yeah. coming up with a big hit for the Royals. God, 
Oh, I forgot about that Rios. No, okay. Anyways, um, the bad vibe parks. Houston, I feel like they've had some okay moments in. So like, eh. But I, I always feel like Detroit's just weird. Whenever they got a roll really? into Detroit. Remember last year? And maybe it's just because this moment is stuck in my head when they lost that game like 2-1 because Josh Palacios like dove oh. for a ball and there was an inside the park home run. I just, I always feel like they don't hit great in Detroit, even though I, that's just the vibe check for me. I don't didn't look up the numbers. Maybe sport. a central division thing. Yeah, like, maybe. The central division sucks, but they, they do inexplicably struggle with these teams. Yeah. And they have historically too in the playoffs, like Cleveland since uh, Cleveland and the and the Royals too, back to back years. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Ross Stripling versus Daniel Lynch is the game tonight. Uh, shout out to our friends at Points Bet Canada. It is live in Ontario. There is a link on our Twitter if you are interested. Uh, if I could suggest something tonight, Jay's over five and a half runs against some dude named Daniel Lynch. I'll take that any day of the week. I think David been- Lynch. He produced. Um, oh. He produced um, Twin Peaks. Oh. Our directed Twin Peaks. That's who's pitching. It's going to be a Lynchian night in Kansas City. It's going to be very weird. We better be talking about a sweep when we do this thing on Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. Wednesday it'll, evening it'll be, it'll, if, if, if they finally go into this stretch, I remember uh, we talked about this for like all of April. It's like, ah, oh, the schedule is going to get weak. They're going to play Cincinnati and Seattle and blah, 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 blah. And it was like, yes. But now the, the ball is normal. The bats are rolling. Vibes are good. Mm-hmm. 10 games against Kansas City. Um, Detroit and Baltimore, you should win like eight. Yeah, you sh- you better win eight. Is uh, is my take eight and on two that. is what we want. That's what we want. Eight and two. eight and two is what we want. Nothing less. If it's seven and three, then we're gonna flip out. We're gonna be meltdown. Yeah, yeah, meltdown, meltdown season. All right, Coombsy. Six we'll- and four, complete meltdown. Five and five. I'm. I, I won't even. I won't even. I won't even record the podcast with you. Four and six, they fire Charlie. Three, three and, and seven, seven they I'm trade gonna- Vlad. Two and eight, I'm going to jump out of a window. (laughs) All right, Coomzy. Well, uh, let's hope it's eight and two then. Uh, You enjoy this series and we will recap what we hope is a sweep later in the week. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company. They offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.